Welcome to Carmichael Radio. This is a podcast about Carolina women's basketball. My name is Travis Lund, and we have a full complement of all of the co-hosts today. I am here with Anthony Battle. Hey, 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 what's going on? Andrew Kurzaya. Hey, guys, how's it going? And Ms. Terry Stacker. Hey, guys. All right, y'all. Let's, uh... Let's rip the band-aid off and get to the unpleasantness here. Uh, Thursday night, the Heels went up to Chestnut Hill, and despite staging a furious fourth-quarter comeback, lost to the Eagles of Boston College, 78-74. Um, this was this was rough. Uh, the two brightest spots by far were Maria and Indy, um, who... Both put in 16 points, and Indy had nine boards, Maria 10, um, three blocks between them, and they were they kept this thing together, not only offensively for us, but I thought just they, they were absolutely lights out on defense throughout the entire game, uh, which was good because did not have a whole lot else going on here. Um DK nine five and six list four seven and five. That is uh, points, rebounds, assists, respectively. Here, um, Anya started but only got six minutes and two points. Um, Ali Z uh, grabbed four boards, um, clock ten minutes. Um, relatively respectful showing from her. Uh, T got 14 minutes, was was hyper-efficient, um, three or four from the field, put in eight points, grabbed a couple of boards. Um, our beloved walk-on turn scholarship, Sydney Barker, got in the game and was cooking uh, before she got... Do we know if that was a full-on broken nose or she just got shook up? I saw some of the post-game photos from the locker room. She did not look good, but Sid was, Sid was hooping-hooping before... She got kicked in the face on a loose ball there. Um, frankly, given the shooting splits, it is amazing that this final score was as close as it was here. Um, let's Anthony, we did. We haven't uh, we haven't had you on in a while, man. So let's uh, let's go ahead and and lob the ball into the post here. We'll we'll run an ISO for you. Uh, give us your thoughts on this, man, and anything you want to speak on from the past couple of games. This bleak was horrible. It makes no sense on how inconsistent we play. Uh, it, I, I don't, I can't even put the words together. It's horrible, man. It's like, are we really gonna lose by one of the top two teams at the bottom, and and then turn around and you know just a week before beat beat a top what what top, what was NC State? What they ranked top three in the conference? I just. I can't wrap my head around this team. I have lost so much. Um, I don't want to say I lost sleep, but I don't have it no more to go down this roller coaster ride with this team anymore. It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy. I can't even put the words together, but it's it, it's a mess. Like, our bench did our parts, but a, a few of our starters, I'm not sure if the gym floor was too cold or if the refs, they, they blew the whistle too much. I, I'm not sure what it was. What, what excuse was, I didn't even watch the post interview. So I'm not, I don't even know what the uh, excuses were for this game, but it's a mess, man. Like 
I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. It's, to me, it just seems like only certain individuals show up to big games. When it's a big game, when it's on ESPN, when it's, you know, this is a, a, a top, top rank component, that's when certain individuals want to show up. But on the other hand, it's like, all right, we still got to take care of the smaller, we, we still got to take care of the teams that, you know, they're still hungry, they're still fighting, they haven't had haven't had that much success this season. But it's like we let the we 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 just let them do anything, walk all over top of us and you know, do whatever. Oh, we're Carolina. We just beat state last week, so y'all should just lay down and let us beat you. No, it doesn't work like that, but that's how it seems. And it's like, where's the effort? I have never seen a team that lacks so much effort. Like, I don't know. We take we take breaks on defense. Oh, we get it back next time. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't understand. Where's the discipline? Um, Yeah, man, it, it, it was hard to watch that game. We got down, with almost 20 points. And to just, <laughs> I don't know. B BC looked like a top five team playing against us on Thursday. And I just, I had to turn the phone off because I was looking at it from my phone. And I was just like, this is a mess. Like, are we going to guard anybody? Yeah, that's all I got to say. You can pass them right, because I I I don't want to start a curse. <laughs> but yeah, it was a mess, man. It, 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 yeah, I I just can't believe it. Like my my total investment of this 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 team has really gone out of wonder. Because I just I, I can't <laughs> I can't I can't support somebody that don't want to get out there and play themselves. Like it's the effort thing. Like what what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, that's all I got to say, man. Coming in hot off the top rope. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. It's uh, Andrew. Actually, uh, Anthony was wondering about you know, are, are we talking refs? Are we talking floor? Uh, what the deal was here? I I thought you had a fascinating theory. Um, that you posited on Twitter <laughs> because, as you said, and I, I I was inclined to agree that this was probably the the worst end to end game we played since the Gulf Coast Showcase, and you you had some thoughts on um on dual use playing surfaces uh please please expound upon this sir that was a tongue-in-cheek comment um just you know it's just one of those things that cb said during the gulf coast showcase that they're not good on the hockey floor and bc does play um in a dual use facility that facilitates hockey uh so uh Whatever stock you buy into that, I mean, it's not it's not using that as an excuse. It was it was dumb the first time it was brought up. It's gonna be dumb if we bring it up now. Like, it, it has no bearing whatsoever on on the actual impact of your play. But I do I did find it a little uh, bizarre that it some like definitely their worst games of the year their worst performances are all on the hockey floor so take that for what you will i yeah um that no i just i did i thought it was funny once you had once you had pointed it out that this does for whatever weirdo reason seem to be a trend um and there were i i would say that if if there were going to be a game where you could realistically have been upset about the officiating this was probably the one 
there were there were genuinely some some calls and some no calls maybe more importantly that just didn't make any sense you, you know usually usually i i will try and even keel it and say all right you know there were some we got some bad calls but so did the other team and like i i typically don't think officials are are trying to you know job the heels specifically or whatever but this this game in particular felt felt lopsided in an odd way um which again you know as we've we've said here doesn't excuse uh doesn't excuse some of the lapses and the the inconsistent play um and you know it did it didn't hurt that bc probably played their best game of the year it's tough to beat anybody who shoots nearly 50 percent from behind the arc um when you shoot under 20 and it, it was uh yeah this was this was this was just kind of janky start to finish here um they really they they made a late push and if they played like that all game this would have been a 20 point win probably but it it just wasn't there um terry we ha we haven't gotten to you yet uh hit us with your hit us with your thoughts on this uh this unfortunate penultimate regular season affair here yeah i mean i i agree with everything um anthony said um you know i'm not one for really like blaming the officials on games because again you have to go out and you have to make shots and we just didn't do that i think this was a game like battle of the guards and their guards showed up and ours did not um so if you look at the box score four out of their five starters scored in double figures and they only played six players right where we we played more than six and so you can't really say like oh well you know exhaustion maybe maybe they're tired from logging a lot of minutes no you can't use that excuse because at this point in the season you really should be like in game shape and should be ready to go every game um so we just didn't show up to, to play that's it's simple we just didn't show up ready to play and you had to know and i said this on the last pod that even though they were on a 10 game losing streak it's their senior night no one wants to lose on their senior night so of course they're showing up with the little extra motivation and again, I think we show up to games and we have North Carolina across our chest, although we're not like, you know, ranked or anything, but I don't know if they think that teams are just going to lay down because it's North Carolina and that's not the case It's the ACC and anybody can lose on any given night. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just the effort is just not there. I don't know if the girls have given up on this season, but um, I will say I did like Barker, you know, Sydney, she came in and she did her big one. She hit, you know, both of her shots. And I'm like, man, we've had her on the bench this whole season and she wasn't getting any playing time. Like, I understand she was a walk on. And so you might feel obligated to play the scholarship players before her. But at the same time, it's like you see probably what she's bringing in practice. Why not give her some run? Like she was like the only one that acted like she wanted it. And it's just crazy that we've had her this whole entire season. But you know what? It, it is what it is. Um, hopefully they come out more inspired tomorrow. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, it um I did what she I mean, the shots were like huge and obviously um 
there was certainly the the contingent of Tar Heel Twitter was just like, oh man, get it. Like I was honestly, she held up defensively. Not that, you know, she saw very little time before that injury. Um, and we Sid, we we hope you're okay, girl. We hope that nose is okay. Um but but she I, I thought she held up really good defensively, um, for the time that she was out there kind of staying in front of folks. Um but she she was the only one um that I don't want to say was engaged because like I I cannot tip my hat highly enough to Maria and Indy for for what they did out there on Thursday night. I thought they were both just spectacular. But our our leadership was 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 not there, man. Um, and it, you know, I did. You can't, you can't have a night where. What did Deja and Liz combined went three twenty six from the floor? Like that, that can't happen. It can't. Um, and that was, I mean, ironically, Liz's Liz's points were. Her her second made three pointer of the year and one free throw, um, but yeah, it just I don't I you know I I second that emotion of of what y'all said. It just it didn't feel like they had effort um, anywhere. Andrew, I don't. Do you have any schematic thing that that you want to highlight or point out as to what led to this, or did they just get flat beat? Because it kind of felt like the latter watching this one schematically no there's nothing that i saw on film it was one of the hardest film sessions that i had to go through of the year i was not looking forward to it the only reason that i even went through it at all i think is because i wanted to be prepared to talk about it now it was not a fun watch at all um if you're looking for something schematic like uh unc put two on the ball a lot when they were guarding boston college and they like to bc's credit like they did a really good job of like skipping that thing getting the ball out quickly getting it to a second side of the floor and you know the biggest thing that i, I noticed it live very very painfully and on film it was that suspicion was kind of confirmed our guards, uh, there's just no way of sugarcoating it. Our guards are some of the worst at defensive rebounding I think I've ever seen. <laughs> they they have, each one of them has their own issue on the defensive glass. And I don't know how many times it's going to take for someone to run in right by your face to go up and get an offensive rebound off a long miss to get it through to them that they need to at least check to see if their man is coming or not. Um, but, you know, I've talked about this a little bit before, like some of them, they, they have their, each guard has their own problems, but in different ways, like Deja doesn't check hardly ever. If her man is coming, it's like, just it, it's, she watches the ball up to go on the rim and Sometimes, like, that rebound will just fall in her lap and she'll get credit for a rebound. 
Uh, and then someone like Lexi has the exact opposite problem. Like she will go and box out every time. She'll check to see if her man is coming, but she doesn't know when to like disengage and come off of her man once she sees that she's not coming and then actually go get the basketball. So it, it's two completely ends of the spectrum, but both of them are wrong. <laughs> um, so that's that's what jumped out to me. Like, there's, it, it's got to be fixed, like, like yesterday. You know, we've talked about with Zelaya on the floor, not being a great rebounder, the guards really need to help. If anyone watched Holding Court or listened to Holding Court this week, it was one of the points of emphasis for Courtney Banghart was we need to rebound because they are not a very good rebounding team. BC isn't. I think they're dead last in the conference in uh, was either offensive or defensive rebounding percentage. I forget. But and if you look at the box score, I think I think we had one more offensive rebound than they did. But it doesn't even tell the whole story because there were so many of them that like Caroline ended up securing. But it was just because like they got in there, tipped it a few times, which shouldn't happen. And like a Carolina player ended up grabbing the board. But like that, it shouldn't happen. It's too many Russians on the perimeter. Um, So that's my number one, like that needs to be fixed today. and then they got beat off the dribble way too often uh, when the ball went in the high post area, which hasn't been an issue all year. It's, you know, maybe something that is just a one-off, I hope, because they've been pretty good at guarding the ball one-on-one, but they got torched, like, just in the middle of the floor in the high post area. Um, and then something really critical for the, the Duke game coming up Uh, that was an issue last time was they got there were times where bc would switch and we would have a mismatch with someone in the post whether they were being fronted or whatever and they just didn't take advantage of the mismatch at all and duke is gonna switch one through four they are going to like if you want a mismatch for Alyssa usby in the post you can have it against duke but you have to actively seek that out. Carolina hasn't been really good at attacking switching. And I think it was on the play where Alyssa hit a three. Like there, she got a switch early in that possession, and we just didn't post her. She went out to the perimeter and like her man didn't guard her, obviously, and she ended up hitting one, but like it's not a good offense. So I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to say anything too extra but yeah definitely definitely not a fun game outside of the last five minutes or so but shout out to Sydney Barker played really well um definitely injected the team with a lot of energy and then uh unfortunately because she does play for UNC and she is a guard uh had to come out of the game with an injury because just how we do it around here but uh I also thought it was interesting uh, if anyone watched the post game presser, they did it over Zoom for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, we do not have enough healthy bodies to even practice. Yes, uh, I'm so glad you brought this. I was going to mention. This yeah, I heard yeah. that, and I was like, "That's crazy." 
Yeah, the weird. I, so, I, I'm sure when she says that, like, it's not like they're just only watching film. Like, I'm sure they're doing like some breakdown work, like some, like, drill stuff. But like, they are not playing five on five, like, full court basketball, which is kind of insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, it. it Honestly, I think they need to get in the film room and look at this. And I don't know what their priorities are. Mine would just be like, we need to rebound a whole heck of a lot better. And if we have mismatches of the post, like they need to be taken advantage of. Um, but yeah, uh, not enough players to practice is not ideal. No, and it... um this just to just to hammer home the 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 rebounding thing um a little bit further here coach mac preaches the gospel of offensive boards they have not been very good at it this year but that's a that's a talent thing it's it's not an effort thing this is something that she absolutely drills into her teams and has always drilled into her teams it's one of her biggest things that she harps on as a way to squeak out advantages when you're an undermanned, under-talented roster. And they should have known that from the scout. And more importantly, you have a player on your roster who could have told you that because she played for them. And for them and to... And Maria's credit, she did have a really nice game. But Maria had a like, fantastic game. Yeah. But it's it's hard to, like, it's it's one of those things, and... Travis, I remember before the season started, I think you and I had a conversation about rebounding and like, is it one of those things where it's just like a barbaric exercise where you're going to be really good at it if you emphasize it a lot and that's just how it is? Or is there like a, a, a way to improve your rebounding overnight? And I think that we most of, if not all of us would agree that there isn't, but the habits that, at least on UNC's side, their habits of their guards on the defensive glass this year, for the most part, have been terrible. Like, they they really haven't faced a team that's crashed as much as BC has, but the same issues that, like, reared their ugly head in this game, like, I've seen on film all year, they just haven't hurt as much most of the time. Um but that's not something like you can fix in like a walkthrough or a scout or prep. You can emphasize it a lot and you can maybe steal a couple boards here and there. But like if your guards haven't been boxing out all year and they haven't been going to the glass, like they're not going to go to the glass this one game with great effort and great intensity. They're just not that you haven't built those habits up over the year. Yeah, and it's um, the, Andrew. Just to just to answer um one thing, not game related that you said um, they run the post game pressers over Zoom when there was inhibition to travel for a lot of the folks who cover the team regularly. Mm-hmm. Like BC's BC's a hike, right? Like they did this for the um the pit game last year where they were in the post game over zoom. It's, it's when folks cannot afford to 
travel to road games like that, that they do that so that people who want to get questions in who aren't there in person can do that. So, um, that. you brought up Duke, which, uh, let's, let's go ahead and move on to that. Um, this will be Sunday at 4 p.m. It is senior day in Carmichael. So um, this thing is sold out already. So if you don't have tickets by now, tough, unless you want to pay. Have y'all seen some of the prices going around on secondary market for this bad boy? It is like, it is intense, man. Yeah, I've seen something for like $2,000. Yeah, I've seen something for like $2,000. I was like, $2,000? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, we were like, cause we, we, we got them, um, for the, for the road game at, at, at tech, um, we, had, you know, did, we, we got them at face value at the time, which was like $12 general admission tickets at game day. Like we were standing in line at castle and my wife was like, you sure you don't want to sell these? Do you know how much money we could make? <laughs> so I, you know, there is, there is certainly a draw, um, and they, you know, they bumped the time to 4 p.m. Uh, and put us on, put us on big channel on Mothership ESPN. So, uh, going to be a heck of a game. Y'all get there early for all the pregame senior day stuff if you can. Um, Duke, obviously, we've already faced this year. That was the OT loss in Cameron. Um, the Devils are on an absolute unmitigated heater right now, y'all. Um, they just like their last three they they beat us they lost to virginia tech on you know in blacksburg which no shame in that um and that was a close loss lost to notre dame no shame in that that was a close loss and then beat cuse on the road beat nc state and walloped a what I still think is the most underrated team in the conference in Virginia most recently. All of those wins are by double digits. They are really, really locked in right now. Um, Kara's got that thing absolutely humming. Reagan Richards has been awesome for them. Uh, speaking, speaking once again of Boston College, Taina Mayer, um, yet another player uh, that Coach Mack has recruited, trained up, and lost. Um I just I feel so bad for the Eagles at this point with that. Just they, they keep bleeding talent. But um, Duke just Duke just looks awesome, man. Um, they they look really, really good right now. And, you know, this is obviously we get the Carmichael bump here and this will be senior day. It'll be a big day. The gym's going to be turned. The players are going to be turned. But. It's going to be a hard road to hoe on Sunday. Because um, Duke, it, this is this is not the same Duke team we played five, six games ago. They are, they are a well-oiled, well-calibrated machine right now and are just, just really rocking. So it's going to be tough outside of the, uh, the rebounding woes and the... Uh, the ever more depleted guard room here. Um, dear Lord, I, I hope maybe, maybe we get absolutely epic. Um, you know, there's a long tradition of people coming out with protective, uh, protective masks after facial injuries, having epic games. 
uh, see Rip Hamilton. Um, the game on ESPN, right? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, show up. Yeah, it's ESPN. They get some. Yeah, they'll be there. I, I'm not worried about them showing up. It's the other games. Yeah, they'll, they'll show up on this game. Well, they. I mean, they're gonna need to because Duke just looks. Duke looks really good right now, man. Um, I I don't know. Have y'all, the, Andrew? What have you the, have you seen anything out of them that that they have changed tactically since the last time we played them, or are they just better? Because I haven't. It doesn't feel like Kara's really switched anything up to 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 my eye. Um, they just seem to be in sync. Yeah, you're right on that. They haven't changed anything. Like they're they're hitting their offensive stride a little bit. You know, that's going to come with the team chemistry over the years, and we've talked about it before. But Duke's really, really young, uh, but they're they're hitting their stride on that end. They've scored uh, at least sixty in all of their last few games, except for Syracuse. But they held Syracuse to forty-five on their home floor, which seems kind of unfathomable. Even even our game when we beat them, we held them to fifty-one, and that seemed like an anomaly uh but you know they're gonna guard you and that's that's what carol Lawson teams do um yeah they got they got a bunch of really good players that i think are going to be staples uh you know who knows at the portal but should they stay they're going to be staples of that of that program for a really long time uh aluchi Akanala is one of my favorite players in this conference and this is not by the way like podcast curse time this is just earnestness like i i love her game like she plays uh, really really well on both ends and just kind of has this energy and intensity about her that makes her a really tough cover um kennedy brown has been a stable for them for years she's going to be the backline quarterback of their defense she's going to alter shots at the rim it's what she does um so they're no, like to answer your question, there's nothing tactically that's changed. They're just really locking in and hitting their stride at the right time. And they're only the only losses they have in their last whatever it is, seven games is one to Notre Dame by eight, and then to Virginia Tech by, you know, save for a Liz Kitley explosion, they probably win that game. And, you know, that's gonna happen sometimes. But yeah, they're they're really playing well right now. Uh, yeah, um, it's just, it's going to be a tough, this it's going to be a tough one. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're in danger of missing the tournament, but they're, I would prefer a win on Sunday. I mean, that sounded so stupid coming out of my mouth. Yes, of course I would, but It'd be nice to put some dubs in in the book here, as we as we roll toward uh toward seeding time, because we're we're locked into the eight now for the conference tourney, right? Do I have that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So just a single buy. Yep. Um, but they, you know, seeding does matter. You know, we're well off of any thoughts of being on the hosting line like we were last year. This is. And I, you know, I don't think they're gonna 
going to drop them all the way out, but if they if they get if they get housed on Sunday and go out in the first round of the conference tournament, I'm going to worry. Like I I am not going to sleep real good until we see the selection show. Um outside of just kind of I, I mean throwing, you know, throwing the 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 big old everything, please everything better at the wall here. Um Terry, what did where where do we need to lock in the most tomorrow to to make sure that we we try and at least get this thing back on the rails a little bit here? Um, guard play, I think our guards need to show up because as we know, Duke got, you know, they have some really great guards. So one, we need to show up on the offensive and defensive end when it comes to our guards. And then um, like we talked about, like boxing out, getting those rebounds. Um, we were really good defensively earlier in the year. And I don't know what's happened um, as of late, but yeah, we need to get back to being that great defensive team that we um, once were earlier in the year. But, you know, like you guys said, it's a big game. A senior day is your biggest robbery. Um, it's at home. I don't think they will have a problem with showing up tomorrow, but you know, you just never know. Hi. Yeah. And Anthony, you got any, anything we need to, we need to see here. I, I, I know you said it's, they, they play, they play better and, and with a little more verve under the bright lights here, but what's our, what's our recipe, yeah, man? Was, yeah. I was being kind of shady. Yeah. Um, Seems like the only time they really want to play play well is when when the lights uh, when the lights are bright brighter I should say um, so it being on ESPN I, I can't see um, Liz or DK shooting no no like getting no less than at least fifteen to twenty points um, now about the other the other side the other half of the team that's another question but um, I, I don't know uh, with this team you just you never truly know who you're gonna get. <laughs> you just never know which team you're gonna truly get. Um, this is the Forrest Gump of basketball teams. Yeah, you just don't know. You literally turn on the TV and you say, "Who am I gonna get today?" And by the first quarter, you kind of can sense like, "Okay, so we're gonna be this team today." Like within the first quarter, and I and I just see them kind of like flowing through the defense, not necessarily in a defensive stance, and. You know, just, 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 it's a certain look. It's a certain look you can tell when they're ready to play opposed to when they're just going through the motion. So I just don't know which team we're going to get tomorrow. I will hope we get the team that's, that's trying to, you know, um, uh, win it for senior night. Granted, I don't know who's coming back and who's going, but um, I will hope they play with a little more energy and just play well on the defensive end and rebound. Um, you know, I know we have our offensive woes, but um, for the most part, I I'm just more so more concerned about the effort and energy on the defensive end because it doesn't necessarily be there at times. It's just like we're going through the motion. So I don't know. Um, I might come to this game. I'm not sure. But, ugh, yeah, they got to do a lot better with the energy and the effort. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully we can – we can close it out well, and you know I don't have to don't have to worry about. The, I mean, the Duke game is never not well attended, but obviously this thing is is sold out, and you know hopefully everybody shows up just ready to ready to yell because this is gonna be our last time in that barn until next season rolls around. 
And it, you know, I, it, we've just spent a large chunk of this podcast and, and rightly given what's happened the last couple games, well, being negative, but this is, if we look at where this program was before this senior class showed up and where it is now, um, I did. I I I am absolutely one hundred percent going to cry and maybe more than once tomorrow. Um, whether whether or not they're coming back, this has been such a a special class who came in and said from jump, we want to build this program into something special, into what Carolina basketball used to mean here, and it hasn't quite gotten to the heights that. Maybe they they'd hoped, but if y'all remember what Carmichael was like in 2017, 2018, and where it is now, man, just just cannot say enough about how special DK and Liss and Anya and Ali Z um, have been, and the fact that they they stuck and they stayed and chose to to build something here is, um, I. You know, I, I'm sorry. I'm the I'm the sappy, sentimental one on the on the podcast out of out of us. But that it's just the, tomorrow's gonna tomorrow's gonna hit. Um, independent of of anything that happens in the game. Um, hitting to some other stuff around college basketball here. Um, first off, shout out DK and Liss, <laughs> who were named to the uh, Annie Myers Drysdale and the. Uh, all America watch list recently. Um, well-deserved, I would say. Um, and not very many teammates, uh, around basketball, both they managed to get, um, a pair named to those lists. So that's, um, you know, they're obviously, they've been the, the twin sort of engines of this team during their time here. So shout out to them. Um, and as much as we've griped about the injuries, um, for our team, uh, you know, obviously there was TCU with the walk-ons, but and I saw that I Terry, I know you you had tweeted this as well, but Davidson had to shut down their season, which is just awful because God, they were having such a good year, one of the best years that program has seen in a long time, one of the best flat out in their whole history, and that just that breaks your heart, man. That breaks your heart for those kids. That breaks your heart for those fans in that program. Um, but that was just, that was rough. And Andrew, I don't know if you have any, because I know you've been kind of at least tangentially in, in touch with some of that, that staff um, over the last little bit here. Have you, have you heard anything more specifically about that or, or, or have any insight on that? Um, Insight? No, but I, I do text with some of their staff regularly and we, check in on each other and there I, I can tell you guys like they are taking this really really hard like they're they're really in a tough place right now um yeah it's it's one of those things where you think about what that team could have done like they were 12 and 1 to start the year and you know <laughs> almost beat Carolina on less than 24 hours notice on their home floor, which is insane to think about. 
And, you know, I got to hang out with them and go through some of their pregame, like walk through stuff when they were up in Chicago last month. And let me tell you something like that staff is really well prepared and more than even more than they're prepared. Like they have those girls so prepared, so locked in. It was probably the most efficient I've ever seen a college team with their players time. Um, and you know, for, for me selfishly, like their, their willingness to share and, and kind of, uh, kind of let me in to kind of how they do things. And they, they've really built it out over several years. Like it's been a slow build for them compared to where that program was when Gale folks took it over. And this was kind of the year where they thought they had all the pieces to it. And they did, but they lost Rosie Deegan to a torn ACL. They lost, um, forget the other girl's name. Uh, they lost her to a torn ACL. And there have just been little ones here and there. I think Millie Pryor missed some time. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of their program. They're, they're, uh, definitely one of my favorites. I'm, I'm blessed that I got to know this team. And, you know, I texted, you know, some of their staff, like, I, I'm i blessed that, like, I got to know this program through this season as hard as it's been for them. But when you built out a program, you put that culture in, you recruited the type of kids that you want to play with. And, you know, the injury luck is what it is. But they're in really good shape moving forward because they've built it out and fleshed it out up to this point. So they'll be back really strong. Uh, I have no doubt about that. I've seen how they work and how they operate. And uh, yeah, I, I have no doubt Davidson's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the A-10 uh, for years to come. So yeah, really unfortunate, but what are you going to do? It's feels like this year for everybody is a, uh, a rough one for injuries. Yeah, my um my alma mater, uh, shout out Carlton. Um Go Knights had to like their women's basketball team had to cancel before the season even tipped. Yeah. Like did not have the horses. Um and it just yeah, and obviously TCU and yeah, this is this is even more in uh, you know, Yukon uh, yet again for what feels like the third or fourth year in a row now. This has been uh, a more cruel than usual year injury-wise, just kind of, like you said, all over the place. Um, and no Olivia Miles this year for Notre Dame. Like, And Notre Dame has had a bunch of girls, like, not as bad as it has been, but Maddie Westfeld has missed some time. Sony Citron missed, like, a month after she, like, turned her ankle or something all weird. Like, it's been, and that's just the ACC. Like that's not even getting into all of everywhere the else. Yeah, it's just it's you know I don't have any data to back this up, but anecdotally, it it, it certainly does feel like uh, a much worse year than others for injuries. Yeah. I, speaking of Notre Dame, let's uh, let's go ahead and hit some other results around the league here. Uh, possibly the most baffling of anything that went down <laughs> Thursday night. Um, 
just absolutely dragged the bejesus out of Virginia Tech and South Bend. Fr frankly, that final score looks like a whooping, and it wasn't as close as the final score indicates. The Hokies were never in this game at any point. Like, I went back and watched this. They they were not there. Did y'all did y'all catch this? Because this given what Virginia Tech was looking like recently. This I and not to discredit anything that Notre Dame is doing. Notre Dame's obviously a extremely talented team. Neil Ivey is one of the best coaches in the country, full stop. And, you know, Hannah Hidalgo is just an absolute revelation, but this should not have happened. <laughs> somebody, somebody please step in and explain to me exactly how they took the Hokies apart stem to stern in this in this game. I did watch it, well, most of it. And what I will say is when you have a great point guard and then the rest of the team kind of steps up around them, you, you'll have games like this. We all know that Hannah is a dog. And from what I seen, like none of Virginia Tech guards could like really stay in front of her. So she was like getting to the rim at will, like she was doing whatever she wanted. So when you have playmakers like that, it's easy to get a, a win, you know, I won't say easy, but you can get a win against those top teams, um, which I think is something kind of going back to our team is what we lack. We lack that. I want to say we lack because we have point guards. They're, they're just not able to really create for themselves or for other people. Um, so, yeah, that's what I saw. They was just beating Virginia Tech like they were getting to whatever spots they wanted. So, it was a great game. Good win for Notre Dame. I yeah, and that was um there were some interesting results around the league. Um we already touched on this just kind of talking about Duke, but Virginia Virginia I think is just I'm so impressed with what coach Mox is doing up in Charlottesville. I think that team is just awesome. And Duke just beat the brakes off them. Um Louisville, Louisville's had an up and down year by their standards, but dismantled Florida State pretty effectively. Um, Q's, I went back and watched Q State. This was a banger. This was an absolute heater. Um, the the overtime, the last second shots with it, like this thing was absolutely nuts. And State, you know, it pulled out the win. Um, but good God, this. This was did, did y'all catch any of this? Because it was that we had time enough to to go ahead and watch pretty much all of the all of overtime after our game ended on this one. I did not. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, after our game, like I was not in a great mood to watch any more basketball. I'm gonna be honest, but uh, yeah, I did catch at least some of the the highlights and some of the the advanced stats on it and. Yeah, it, it it seemed like a really good one. Maybe I'll go back and watch that today. I would on on entertainment value alone. I would I would highly recommend it. Um, this was this was absolutely delightful. And then a couple uh, getting at, stepping outside of uh, outside of the conference real quick. Um, Arkansas looked like they might give South Carolina a battle for like the. Uh, a uh, quarter and some change there. Um, that didn't last. Um, the <laughs> podcast curse again in full effect. Um, Stanford went up to Corvallis and beat our beloved Beavs. Uh, 
67-63, um, who have fallen off a cliff since we cast our eyes their way. So, again, we apologize for that. Um, USC, Arizona, holy mother of God. I was extremely tired and dogging it at work on Friday, and I did not care. I was very glad I stayed up to watch this thing. It was wild. Did y'all, I, I know, um, I know y'all don't, we, we are one of those weird random households that is blessed to, to have the Pac-12 network, um, but did anybody catch any portion of this or manage to go back and at least watch some highlights or something? This thing was nuts. Yeah, some big shots down the stretch. I, I went through and scrubbed through it. Uh, what was I? I it was yesterday morning. Uh, yeah, it, huge shots down the stretch, and Juju Watkins is just something else, man. Like, we we really do need to have like a like a actual discussion of between her and Hannah for like who is the front runner for freshman player of the year on a national level. Like, they'll win it in their respective conferences no doubt but we that that's a discussion we need to have yeah this was a wild one just yeah from start to end they'll probably end up giving it a juju she she to me she seems like she get more of the national coverage um especially coming from the usc the um the lisa leslie the um what tina tina thompson yeah so i i wouldn't be surprised um, but I don't know. Old girl from Notre Dame, she is <laughs> she is legit. <laughs> Where did she come from? <laughs> why do, why can't we recruit a guard like that? Like she is a dog. Uh yeah, well, and I th- I think too, it's that Juju really, I mean, certainly, and you know, she was she went absolutely nuclear last night. Like certainly Padilla has has been falling out there. Like USC's got some yeah. players, but Juju, Juju has driven that whole team. Hannah's Hannah has more around her and Notre Dame has been a much more consistently good program. Um, when's when is the last time USC had a season even resembling what they're doing this year? It's been a minute. Yeah. Lindsay Gottlieb has done a lot with that program this year. They were one of my favorites, I think, in the preseason, but I didn't even think they were going to be this good. Of course, I didn't know it, you know, hindsight's 2020, like Juju Watkins just being the destroyer of worlds as she has been. Uh, someone someone on this podcast knew and her name is Terry Stacker. She called she called this in a preseason podcast. Oh, maybe we need to make our predictions in the preseason. Maybe that's what the that's the way to break the curse is before anyone plays, we just we can we can have a round table and just predict all the awards. Uh, Terry, do you want to do you want to gloat and or take a victory lap on this? Because you had this from jump. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I would just say, like, obviously, being a fan of the game, you try to watch a little bit of everybody and, you know, kind of follow them throughout their you know high school career. But I think we all knew Juju was like a dog, like she's a bucket. And so when you have a generational player like that, they can come in and just turn a program around, right? So, I mean, big ups to their coach for keeping her home, you know? And I I first saw a player like that when you look at Skylar Diggins, who stayed home and played for Notre Dame, and look how she took that 
team to two back-to-back national championships. Like they didn't win, but look what she did for Notre Dame. And then you have players like Asia Wilson who stayed home again and look what she did, brought a national championship. So I would not be surprised if USC like wins a national championship within the next few years and they have another top recruiting class coming in next year. So, you know, Anthony asked, why can't we recruit players like that? You know, it's, it's culture. I think, you know, you have to change with the times and build a culture and you have to have players that want to buy into that culture. So hopefully that's something we, I mean, we get good recruits, but we don't ever get really like those top recruits in my opinion, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to brag anything, but yeah, she's a generational talent for sure. Um, We was talking about uh, like the national freshman of the year I do think it's going to come down to her and Hannah. I say if Hannah wins this, because you look at Hannah's stats and she's averaging, what, 23 points a game, I think, and then like almost five steals a game. So they'll say she's a two-way player. I don't know what Juju's averaging. I know it's like 20-something points, but like as far as steals, I don't think she's averaging like five steals a game. But yeah, either way, I don't think you can go wrong with it. And honestly, maybe they can do a uh, co-freshman of the year type thing because they both really do deserve it yeah that was the i mean that that's the thing about her dog i you know she's obviously just a, a maestro as far as conducting an offense and reading the floor and all that but this the steals thing like didn't she just absolutely wreck the conference single season steals record for a freshman and did it like f- five weeks ago like yeah it's yeah. it's insane set, yeah and i think she set the freshman scoring record as well. I mean, she she already holds so many records and she's only a freshman and the season isn't even over yet. That's one generational and it's crazy. Like her her jersey, and I've said this before, will be in the rafters at Notre Dame as long as she like stays healthy and, and continue to um to grow. I yeah. And speaking of, of generational players, um Caitlin Clark has uh continued to break even more records um at this point they're just stacks on stacks on stacks and declared for the draft which r.i.p everybody trying to cover a freaking high pick and roll with her and Aaliyah boston next season jesus christ um but what that most likely means anthony i i know you're probably rejoicing about this i'm gonna go ahead and assume that cam brink is gonna be an la spark next season yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, maybe that's maybe they knew something we didn't know in the beginning. Um, that's why they 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 cleaning out house and just trying to start fresh. Um, it would be nice. Yeah, she's a dog as well. It would definitely be nice. So we shall see. Yeah, I'll congratulations put up, uh... to Caitlin though. Yeah, Caitlin. Um, she's had an amazing career. Um, it's not over yet. I'm I'm curious to see what kind of upsets they bring in the off season. Um, but yeah, shout out to Caitlin. This is going to be a very interesting offseason for Iowa. Um, I mean, they, they've had, you know, certainly, I mean, you can go back to the the Megan Gustafson, uh, Kathleen Doyle team in, what was that, 2018, um, that made that run to the Sweet 16, or they get to the, yeah, they got to the Sweet 16. Um but yeah, it's Bluter has had by far the most success there since CVIV was at Iowa. Um, but it'll be 
you know, it's tough to it's tough to replace a um a once in a generation player like that. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what they do. Um shouldn't have any trouble recruiting with uh, that with their pedigree um and their recent successes. Um and speaking of you know, we were talking about the recruiting. It's not like CB's not stacking up some real, real good recruiting classes. Um, and they, you know, we talked about the Kitley thing um, that North Carolina apparently never offered her. Um, but that's on the previous, you know, that was still Hatchell uh, when that would have happened. So we we can't really lay that at the feet of anything going on now. They, they've got some good recruits. And as we've said repeatedly, um, had, uh, you know, had we had a fully healthy team this season and not that you know we've just said you know everybody's dealing with this stuff but things are when gonna... i mean and, and, no, not to cut you off but i want to elaborate when i when i say recruitment i think we get great recruits that's not the issue but i'm just saying those impactful freshmen those freshmen that come right out the gate averaging 25 to 30 points um dk had a pretty good freshman year she had some um adjustments but I'm just saying in this era, we haven't had that that person or that 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 woman or girl that comes right out of high school that dominates, you know, as a juju or um, you know, the girl from Notre Dame. That's that's what I was more relating to. I I'm, I'm on the recruiting show, she's doing her thing. But um, but yeah, just just some just an impactful player. Yeah. Yeah, and and an impactful, you know, this is supposed to kind of be point guard you, right? I mean, that's that's Carolina ball. We have a good point guard we run. And they haven't Terry, I think it I think it was you and I that were talking about this a couple of a couple of weeks back, but we haven't had the pure like court vision. You know, D- DK certainly can play point, and when she does, you know, she's a better distributor, I think, than she gets credit for, certainly by national people who don't watch this team as closely as we do. Um, but we haven't had, like, a point guard point guard since Jamie Cherry and the last, like, oh, my God, like, this person can change a game just by stepping on the floor with their speed we might have to go back to like Latifah Coleman for that. I, yeah, I did. I, I think it'd be nice to see one And you know, we're going to have some play, you know, as Andrew has repeatedly pointed out, like just with floor spacing and what she's going to do as a big, I mean, Toomey's going to be absolutely massive next year, but it'd be nice to see an impact from jump. Like point guard. Even we can go back to Carly. Guard. Yeah. Carly was even, you know, a, a, a great guard as well. Like, you know, she might not have the speed, but she put the ball where it needed to be on time. And yeah, I'll just shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can shoot. <laughs> uh, we can't forget about that. She can shoot. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I don't know. CB, and, and I don't want to say she, she believes in this combo guard thing because I know that was a lot of things she used to preach about. Oh, just versatile players, versatile players. Yeah, that sounds good, but can you get somebody in there that can can facilitate, shoot the three, drive, kick it out? Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe and maybe that was Kayla this year. Maybe that was supposed to be in Kayla. But, you know, here we go with the injury bug. Yeah, well, yeah. and I mean, we still haven't heard anything, you know, we're getting the um 
the the it's worn out and I'm kind of done with hearing about it uh, day to day on Naya, who certainly put together flashes where it was like, oh, she might be that girl, you know? Yeah, I got faith in her. I think she's going to be pretty legit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does make you question, OK, day to day. But, you know, we haven't seen this player in X, Y, Z, which makes it seem like something is you, you're trying to cover up something. I don't know, but I, I, this day to day thing is it's it's been blowing me since the beginning of the season. Well, and it's I saw some people saying, well, you know, why aren't they even at these games anymore? Y'all, when people are rehabbing, they do not get on a bus or a plane and and travel like they're, you know, I, I saw people wondering, well, why aren't they out the Virginia Tech? Did they? P and Nia are not at those road games because they are rehabbing and sitting in a bus is bad for your legs. What about the home game? Yeah, she wasn't at the last home game either. Yeah. So I think something's fishy is going on. Yeah, it just makes it, I, I don't know. I, it just makes it really seem awkward. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It's, I mean, they, you know, that's one of those things you just can't, unfortunately, change is is how they choose to handle the dissemination of information about injuries and stuff like that. Some some programs are more open about it, some are not, but it's, you know, it is what it is at this point. I just, they, if they don't, if they don't get one of Naya or P back before the end of the year. I they're just not gonna have the they're not gonna have the gas left in the tank. I I don't think. Um and you know I guess you hit this point in the year everybody can just kind of dig in and say, all right, well we'll just you know, we'll just put the pedal down um until we've been eliminated from whatever the last game of the year is. But they're and they, you know, going back to the effort thing, I think almost more than the on the court necessarily production or anything, man, they've just, they've missed having P there because she, she was, she's, she was that, that dog on the roster. Like DK and Liz are the leaders, but P, P was the one like, if you hurt her or one of her teammates, she might swing on you. Like, and I, I you talking about Paulina. Yeah. And I, I, I think you need one of those in every locker room just to, just to keep the edge up. Right. Like this was destiny Adams until she, until she went home to Jersey. Like we, we, we need one of those in, in, in every room. And it, I think not having Paulina on the floor just to, just to, it feels like this team has like the the anti incredible Hulk problem. Like they don't get mad enough. They don't turn. They don't. They don't flip the fu switch. That's probably because we don't have a coach that does that. Do that. <laughs> she's not gonna get too upset. Speak on it. Yeah, she's just gonna you know gonna stand on the sideline and flick through her hair. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe it's a Southern thing, but I don't know. What 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 gets me fired up seeing a blazer throwing off? Like, I don't care what you say about Kim Mokey, but I love it. I don't well, I don't care what people say about Kim Mokey, but 
just just her antics on the sideline. <laughs> she know how to get she know how to get the crowd behind her. She know how to get the team behind her. And it's like, yeah, I live for that. Even Dawn. Dawn had her moments. Like, it's no pushovers. But it's like with us, it's like, all right. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I know that's everybody personality-wise, but yeah. So what I mean, because you can't you can't rewire somebody's DNA. If I, I mean, do you think there needs to be like a a staff change? Like we need the one because you know they like this is this is not a a new thing where the head coach isn't the one who gets in somebody's face because they don't want to they don't want to get tossed or they're worried about trying to trying to keep the focus on the overall game here. Do we need a do we need the one coach that you know that a lot a lot of teams have this? There's the there's the one assistant on the staff who's like the designated get angry, get teed up coach. Is it is it that we're missing that component? Do we think? I think it's a sense of being too calm. Um, just I don't know. Maybe it needs to be a balance. I, I don't know, but but sometimes like I'm on the sideline looking and I'm like. Yo, I'm pissed off. Like, I, I need, I need some, <laughs> I need some lights, camera, action, or something. And granted, we do have that coach, um, Adrian. Um, me and Terry have sat beside each other, and I pointed out, she was pointed out a couple of times how he, you know, I think the last time we had seen him, he was chewing out like Renaya, and I was just like, okay, you know. But she, she, she took it. She took it, and she understood what he was saying. So I don't, I don't know. I think our team plays off the vibes of our coach. Real calm, real relaxed, and it's like, all right, sometimes we need some some fire behind that. But like you say, we can't, you know, rewire anybody, but um eh, I don't know. That it, it'll take forever to kind of go down that rabbit hole. Uh yeah, and I would be fascinated. I mean, they're they're buttoned up about this stuff. But do y'all remember? I don't remember whether this was conference tournament. It was it was something postseason, but this leaked out a couple in it. You know, she certainly had her ups and downs and not a not a real good season up on Rocky Top. But do y'all remember the leak of Kelly Harper at halftime that leaked out, I want to say, two seasons ago where she was just absolutely lighting them up and just, I mean, really laying into them? And I don't. I would be fascinated to to see if anything like that happens at at halftime. And it like I would, because it was one of those that like okay, this the the last game, the the Boston College game. You thought we're gonna okay, they're gonna come out of halftime. They're gonna they're gonna get right. They're gonna you know Boston College shot the lights out in the first half. They can't possibly keep that up for four quarter. Like we're gonna come out of half refocused, and the, the, you know we'll. We'll t- we'll take care of this, and that just didn't happen. They that that third quarter was was like it just brutal. yeah yeah, and brutal might be polite. Like you gotta you gotta wonder where the and you know life life ain't a movie, and the day to day grind of a season is certainly a little different than you know, the big Hollywood halftime speech thing that you see in every sports movie. But I, I want to, I want to know what the, what the amplifier on 10 mode is in that locker room. 
Like what did, you know, where, where, where is that coming from? Cause it doesn't, it, it's just, it's not necessarily in her nature and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be CB that does that stuff. But I would like to know if that exists and if so, where it's coming from, because there have been, you know, and we, we've been talking about this all year when they get up for games, they look capable of beating anybody in the country full stop flat out. They still, over the past, you know, couple seasons, outside of a couple, you know, there was that one random um, Kentucky uh, game in the SEC championship game a couple years ago. Like, they've played South Carolina as good as anybody, period. They, they you know, this team, even depleted and injury direct, can, can hang out with anybody in the country. But they don't they don't have that night in, night out, game in, game out. And I, I just you know, I I agree with what y'all are saying. Where 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 is that where is that coming from? Where is that element? And if you know, if it is if it is Adrian, if it is you know, one of the players, it's with where is it consistently? And I don't, you know, I don't know what what changes to to change that being a being a a, a thing because it's it's been a couple seasons now where the where the highs and the the marquee wins have been like incredible but there have been some real head scratchers in the loss column and it's not that people don't go through that you know even the best teams go through like you know usually a game or two a year where it's just like well, what do what happened there, you know, but this, it doesn't seem like they're up. And I don't know. It just seemed like a lack of discipline. I, I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like we're, we're not disciplined enough. I want to say, I don't, I don't know, but then it's hard to say that. And then you'll be the number uh, 10 team in the country. And it's like, all right. So, but I, I don't know. It's, it's that switch of, we it's like we we lower our plan our plan down or our plan level down once we play a lower com, uh, competition like you know we play a team that's not necessarily that good we we lower we lower our standard in a sense and it's like where's the discipline at we need to keep the pedal to the metal all times. We have low basketball IQ, and you know it was encouraging because I know we've said that several times, but I saw someone else say that I think on one of the uh, like message boards inside of Carolina, maybe there was like, they don't have, they, well, they pointed out a specific player and I, I've said that as well about her, but it's, it's the whole team. They just have a low basketball IQ. Um, and I, I will go on record and say, I tweeted after the game, the Boston college game, that if we bring everybody back and we still stink next year, the coaching staff got to go whether, I mean, maybe keep CB and then maybe she rebuild her staff, but something's got to change. It's like Mac Brown 2.0, you get all these good recruits, but then you're still having double digit loss seasons. So something's got to change or you're going to start losing the crowd again. Yeah. So. I hmm. uh, That's. Yeah, it's like it. 
they got they got half the memo right it's that you know stay ready won't have to get ready they they didn't get the stay ready part cuz they did the get ready they do and you know anthony you said it when when it's a big game when the lights are on like they they'll get up and they they can hang with anybody but the the stay ready you know there's even even games that you know you you look back over the schedule and it's like win 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 but you look at those and it's like we should have vaporized that team by 25 Kansas State going on record to say that again we should have beat them they've been on a losing streak lately lately even with their best player back and i'm like that's the team we should have beat hands yeah. down we should have beat them Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, Andrew, you're, you're kind of more in like more directly in coaching world as far as in actual kind of day-to-day uh, professional concern. Do you, do you, do you want to weigh in on this? Cause I, I, I feel like, and I won't speak for any, anybody else but me, but I, I certainly get over, um, I get angry about this stuff, but it, it it's it it comes from a place of emotion, and I'm not necessarily rationally thinking about this. Because one thing one thing I will say that you know, and every fan base falls into this trap. It's not specific to Chapel Hill by any means, but like when people say we need a coaching change, my question is for whom? Who are you going to go get? Because if you can't answer that question, don't tell don't tell me we're firing who we got. It that that always drives me nuts, but it. Um, just it, as someone who thinks about coaching as a, as a more, more strategic concern that, than, than we might, do you have any insight or, or thought on, on this? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, there's one of the things that fires me up in, in coaching circles is, those coaches who are, and and I'll preface this by saying everyone does have their own personality type and you kind of have to cater that to your players, depending on there are there there have been studies done. There are some players who like do not take that really hard, aggressive, like in your face confrontation style of coaching. Uh there was I don't remember how many years ago. I think it was in an NCAA tournament game on the men's side. Like I could not play for a coach like Tom Izzo. Like I can't, but there, if you ask around players who have played for him at Michigan state, like they have almost nothing but positive things to say about that experience, because I think he recruits those type of players who fit his personality and his style of coaching i am very much on the opposite end of the spectrum and more geared towards courtney banghart's style of coaching that more calm even keeled because i think it's it's so easy for fans and coaches and players to ride that emotional roller coaster 
and we've done it on this podcast. Believe me, I, I've been known to do it at times, even on this podcast today. Uh, but I, I think as a coach, if you are being, as Courtney Banghart often describes herself as the custodian of the program, I, I think there is some great value in not riding that emotional wave. Uh, and, you know, if you're if you're emotional about every call or like your team not playing well, if you get sped up emotionally, I think your team does as well. Um, there have been studies done on like half time speeches between like the more calm ones and the more fiery ones. I don't have those on hand. But there, there's a there's a sports psychology to all of this and does that impact performance and over time i think those studies showed that those more aggressive fiery like outbursts they can be effective in the short term but more damaging for in in terms of just strictly player performance in in the long term so you can draw whatever conclusion you'd like from that if I find any, I'll try and link them after this. But uh, yeah, there's there there's certainly an art to it. And you definitely don't want to coach outside your personality. And as far as coaching staff changes, I, th I feel like we've talked about this before. As far as assistant coaches, we just don't see enough of what they do behind the scenes to have any any bearing on their job security at all um I'll, I'll say like this staff is a very experienced one um and they've got you know backgrounds and also like daniel metzelfeld has done like personal training on like aau circuits i think and adrian walters has like 20 years of experience on both the men's and the women's side uh there are a whole bunch of other ones too um that i'm blanking on but this is a good and experienced app and let's not like act like this is a disaster of a season like the injuries on this team have really shot down a lot of what they potentially could have been certainly some questions about the outside shooting and the roster construction there if i were to make a request as far as like recruiting I would say maybe, and this is just me, maybe stay away from some of those potential McDonald's All-Americans. Because I think there are, I think there are a lot of great players on international clubs that I feel like Carolina isn't tapping into that well, probably enough. I think there are great international players everywhere that can play for Carolina. And maybe they are recruiting those kids and we'll we'll find out. But you know, I, I see these. You know, people people kind of like to shoot down some of the mid-major programs, you know, for because they're mid-majors and they can't get those McDonald's All-Americans. And you brought up the Liz Kidley thing. I remember listening to Kenny Brooks on a podcast and being like, none of their stars were recruited very highly. Like Georgia Amor was not recruited super highly when she was coming into Virginia Tech. And Liz Kidley was recruited kind of highly, but she wasn't like, that top end percent of like McDonald's all American and like having, you know, 45 offers and like all that stuff. 
So there, there's certainly those gems within the margin that, that I think that Carolina could improve on in their recruiting process and not necessarily going after just those top recruits because they can't pan out, but sometimes they don't. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but... I get, uh, I, I get what you said, buddy, but I, I think we still got that question mark of developing. Like, yeah, they, they, they might not have been, like, the top recruits, but over the course of time, they have developed into great players. Um, you know, they have added things to their games and whatnot, and it's like, we're still, in a sense, waiting on to see how the developments look, if that makes sense, of certain individuals. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I, but I hear you. I hear you loud and clear, brother, but it's like, yeah, but those players have developed like crazy over the past three seasons. Yeah, and like I've, it's one of my off-season projects is that I do want to do kind of a deeper dive on like this senior class and go through some film on like, okay, what were they not good at freshman year, and then how has that development progressed? I just I need some time to do it. Now's not the time, but uh, you know. And the question you can ask yourself is like, do you think had, I'll just throw her in as an example, like if Liz Kitley signed at Carolina, is she the same player that she is today? No. If she was in a Carolina uniform? No. Elaborate. not. No, but that's almost. We haven't developed a post player. Like when you look at the post players that we've had in the past, Who's who sticks out to you as being like a really a really good post player? I'm talking like great, like Liz Kitley, great like she is today, averaging a double double. I don't know if they've recruited bigs that have been in that mold. Like I think they've recruited a lot of like those traditional back to the basket bigs who really don't play on the perimeter as much. And maybe that's a stylistic choice. Maybe it's just because like. Courtney Banghart is just one of those coaches that like is we are going to recruit for defense and we'll try and teach them the offensive spacing pieces later, or maybe try and teach them to develop a jump shot. But like you were never going to get that with Maria, probably not with Zelaya or Anya Poole even. So I don't know. I, I I have no idea what Liz Kidley looked like coming out of high school. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Sierra Toomey is, you know, I think she's probably the most comparable. I, but she was one of those top recruits as well. I think she was like top five in her class. Um, so we'll see. I I haven't done enough research to know, like, what the development track for any of Carolina's players has looked like over the last few years. Would you say coming out of high school, um, is Blanca, is Blanca something similar to um, Elias Kitley? I haven't watched any of you her. You haven't watched her? Okay. No, not yet. I think, I Terry, I think the last time we had, and not, one was injuries and one left. Um, and, well, and the other left too after injuries and problems, but the last time we had bigs where, and not in the Kitley, um, you know, pick and pop big kind of mold, but just as 
you're talking about bigs that can really come in and impact the game. The last two that we've had probably were Steph Mavunga and Zelina McDaniel, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Steph ended up leaving and going to what, Ohio State, I think it was. Um, but yeah, I Didn't mean, Steph but Steph go to UConn? Or was Mavunga? that what? No, she went to Ohio State. Was it Zelina that went to UConn? Somebody went to UConn. But even not talking about bigs, just looking at Utsby, who most of the times plays back to the basket, right? Like we know she's good, not great, but good or okay around the rim. Why haven't you developed an outside shot? And we know she can hit it because she's done it a few times in games, like last second shot clock type situations, but it went down. So we know she's capable. So why haven't that developed to something consistent, right? And like, she's mentioned wanting to play pro. Mm -mm, not happening right now. I don't see it. Now, maybe you guys think differently and this is not trying to be negative, but she wouldn't get drafted, I don't think, at this point in her career. No. But I, I, there, there are certainly overseas clubs that would greatly value a player like today uh, in, in Alyssa's mold. It, as far as the W goes, no, probably not. There's just, there's just not enough offensive polish there. Um, but it, I, I want to be really careful of like, we are talking about in, in talking about Hannah and Juju and Kitley and Amor, like those are the top nth percent. Those are generational talents. And especially if you're looking for those players who want to come in and contribute right away from year one, like, yeah, everyone wants Juju and Hannah. Like there are, name a program that doesn't have them. And trust me, they're like, why can't we get a player like that? So I don't want to fall into that trap of like, you know, they only come around every once, every once, every decade, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, and we previewed this Notre Dame team in the preseason. Did we even talk about Hannah? Like, I think we knew she was on the roster and she had like that crazy game against like Purdue Northwest in their exhibition and went crazy, but like it's Purdue Northwest. Like No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We talked about what is this team going to look like without Olivia miles and how much of the scoring load is Maddie Westbelt going to have to shoulder with her? Not there. Like, that's what I'm saying is like Notre Dame probably knew what they had at that point, but we didn't. And I don't know how highly she was recruited. I don't really pay attention to that stuff, but to expect because you're the university of North Carolina or, you know, any big name program like that to like, we should be getting players like that is like, there just aren't that many players to go around. There just aren't. Um, and maybe we will have one of those, you know, Sarah strong is the one that people bring up all the time. And she's like, really good at everything but you know you you know if we don't end up getting sarah strong or like whoever like 
where are you going to find that winning impact on the margins? And I think that's where Carolina can really benefit by getting some international players who are probably more overlooked because they're not in the AAU system. They're not in these like elite clubs that they can go see and drive to or get on the private jet and go watch play that easily. Um, you know, I, I think some of the smaller schools are beating them on the margins there and don't, you know, I've never recruited a day in my life, so I don't want to say anything that I'll regret here, but it, I, I think it's at least something that they should look at. Because if you're constantly chasing like these high impact players based off of what they did in high school, where the competition, and I can speak to this, is not always a great predictor of how they'll fare in college ball. Um, and stats can be inflated because of weaker teams. It's, it's just high school is a mess in, in terms of trying to uh, predict how good a player can be, especially coming in as a freshman. I just, if, I think if you're chasing that as a staff, I, I think you are maybe a little bit misguided on what you're looking for. But that's just me as someone who's never recruited and from an outside perspective looking in. I, yeah, well, and even, I mean, we look at some, you know, obviously the portal has changed a lot of this stuff around to where recruiting doesn't necessarily have to be your only way. And, you know, you were talking about kind of generational talents and just getting lucky if Quentin Hillsman had not been an absolutely horrible person, DeAsia Fair's breaking all these records at Buffalo, right? That's what I'm saying. Instead right? of yeah. Syracuse. Because she's probably staying, you know, they never call Coach Jack or they not while well, she's there anyway. And then, you know, Cuse is not ranked near what they are now. Um, in the international... Um, Specifically, you know, we talked about Amor. If you want to look at high IQ pass first point guards who can shoot, Australia churns those out at an astounding rate. And they're almost never, you know, like you said, Amor wasn't highly recruited. I go back to probably the single best pure point I've ever gotten the privilege to watch in person was Tiana Mangakahia who played for Cuse, but she transferred there out of some tiny community college in like bum nowhere, Hutchinson community college. I had to look that up. Um, she transferred from there to, to Syracuse. And there were some, there was a whole mess with eligibility because she'd hooped in the WBL in Australia at one point. Um, before they let her and with her Hutchinson stuff, there was this whole rigmarole she had to go through to even be eligible at Syracuse. But like get, getting to your, your international point, man, Aussies can Aussies no ball and they churn out really high IQ point guards as a matter of course that tend to go under recruited because they're, you know, but a lot of those kids, the best of those kids grow up playing pro or semi-pro or with the with the WBL with a lot of people who end up on Opals and stuff like that later on just because that's how their their system works over there. And, obvi you know, 
our our best floor spacer arguably of the past I don't know, five, six years, maybe the, maybe the CB tenure, you know, Petra Holoshinska, who was a transfer from where? Illinois, I want to say. You know, um, internet, but but is international player like, yeah, I I think casting a wider net might not be a bad, a bad idea. Um, and maybe this is one of the, you know, it's not exactly a money ball thing, but an underutilized area of of recruiting i don't yeah. i don't know we have this conference we we have now wandered way 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 far afield <laughs> but it's also fun and interesting stuff to talk about yeah there there's i i was talking to an assistant coach about this the other day and we i we do not have time to go down the rabbit hole of like the youth development model in overseas and how it's different and probably better than it is here in the states but those i'll say this those international players they come in they may not have like the pure raw athleticism or the uh maybe all of the the skills or not the skills passion games, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like those elite ball handling moves or, you know, any of that stuff. But what they do is that they, they learn how to play in concepts and like team basketball to be really general, a lot better than what they're afforded here in the States because they're playing on one team year round. They're not having to cycle through their high school team. And now they got to play club ball and then they got to play AAU. And like their, their development model is just like, it's it's so much more linear and simple overseas. And I, I think it makes them a lot more ready to be impactful. Once they do sign somewhere here in the States, um, there's like, there's a whole, that's a whole different conversation. But I, I do think it's one of those things that it, it's if you look overseas, like I think you you can find a lot more players who know they're probably not going to be like Juju or Hannah, but it's going to be that shooter or that playmaking point guard who you need, even if it's off the bench the first year, like those those players that impact the margins um that that you need to field a really good competitive team um you know and maybe carolina is doing that i don't know but if not i definitely think it's something that they should look harder at rather than just chasing these top recruits well we'll just yeah that's we we have we have gotten we have we have wandered so far off the path um Dear listener, thank you for your forbearance in uh, sticking with us through this digression here. Um, but it's just us blue skying about the future of the program, um, and we're we're just kind of bsing around and throwing ideas at the wall here. Um, that oh, Andrew, I one thing just because that I. Um, 
I, I thought of you because I know you you uh you like this stuff. Um, the play that Virginia Tech runs, that out of bounds play that springs Kitley for that baseline jumper off the down screen. Uh, that oh, yeah. they they mm-hmm. they beaten us with. They beat State with it earlier this year. Um, that play is called Old Faithful in their playbook. Is it really? Yep. That's kind of yeah. Okay. Uh, I learned that. Uh, shout out to uh, Caden, who was an adorable twelve-year-old tech fan who was in line in front of us waiting to get into Castle, um, who uh, has been to a lot of their camps and actually went as Georgia Amor for Halloween this year. Um, oh my gosh! Just her and her, her and her mom were were total sweethearts. We had a lovely time <laughs> talking with them. But yeah, little little bit of inside intel on uh, <laughs> on that particular play. Um, I feel like we haven't we didn't give them enough love but virginia tech fans are just the best aren't they like no issues with them like they like i saw the shots of like them asking deja for pictures and stuff after the game like virginia tech fans they're no complaints like 10 out of 10 as far as they're loud they're they've got great love for their team they and you know they're never never a bad word from them so yeah, yeah well and them. i mean i did it did, i i gotta say again and i grant you like this is the best team that they've had possibly ever um and this year and this you know obviously the kitley amor era and this year in particular has been just incredible for them um as well as last year and it was senior day and it was big and loud and emotional but when they dropped Enter Sandman leading leading up to tip off in Castle, that was a genuine goosebump moment. Like I saw the video, it was crazy. <laughs> I was just just looking around, going, "Oh my god, this is like." So yeah, that was, and just we we had a we had a you know obviously that that the outcome sucked, but we we had a, a fantastic time. Um, but yeah, that's um we'll go ahead and wrap this up. We've talked everybody's heads off, including our own at this point. Um so 4 p.m. tomorrow, y'all well, I was gonna say y'all get on out to Carmichael, but you can't unless you've already got tickets or you have a whole lot of disposable coin to throw at trying to pick some up uh on the secondary market. But it will be a senior day for the class that has brought this program back to something. And I know that we, uh, I want to emphasize again that we complain about some of this stuff because we love this team and we, we want them to do well. Um, and sometimes that comes off as overly negative and I, you know, we, 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 we don't mean it that way. Um, and this is going to be senior day for a very, very special class. And hopefully they pull it out with a dub. Um, we'll either see y'all in Carmichael or if not, 4 p.m. tip on ESPN Mothership. And we will go ahead and clock out for the day here. Um, I guess I'll go around real quick right here. Any Anybody have um, any final thing they need to speak on or, or get off their chest right quick? Anthony? No, sir. No, sir. All right. Terry, ma'am. Uh, no, I don't have anything, but 
Go Hills. Uh, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, all right. We'll, we'll sign off and make it official here. This is Ben Carmichael Radio. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you have enjoyed what you've heard, um, even if it was just the first half of this before we got off track. Um, let's everybody go around, tell the folks where they can give you a follow. Andrew, sir, where can people follow you on the social medias? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Krizea. Uh Happy to talk ball with anyone. And uh, yeah, let's get a good win tomorrow and celebrate the seniors. Absolutely. Terry? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore rebel underscore flower, F-L-E-U-R. All right, Anthony? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as Mr. underscore battle 91. Um, and yeah, go Heels. Shout out to the senior class. Absolutely. And y'all can find me at Arena Apothecary on Twitter. This has been Carmichael Radio. We are signing off. Go Heels. Y'all be well out there. <laughs>